Mouse Cream Motors have left the station. It's not my fault for coming in all hot and ready. Actually, I wasn't hot and ready. I'm sorry you have dreams about mice eating your ice cream. I really could go for some ice cream. With mice in it? Yeah, with mice in it. That's the only way to eat it. Mice cream is nice cream. Ooh, mice cream. I like the ring to that. Stop making mice cream a thing. It will never, never be a thing. Your mice cream shouldn't be ringing, though. Hey, I'm Joe. I'm Ken. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dan. We are the Rewinders Podcast, rewinding and rebooting movies to see if they hold up. And this time, we screamed into the void of space, and no one heard us with Alien. Much like a lot of our podcasts. Dan, that's pessimistic. We don't need that kind of negativity here. There's that one person over there. They have that really nice hat. Yeah. yeah. Good hat, guy. I have too yeah. much hair. I can't wear my hat anymore. Wow. Brag, brag, brag. So one downside. <laughs> anyway. Look at me and all my hair. I can't wear hats. Brag, brag, brag. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm gonna preface something with this episode. I don't think I've ever seen the entirety of Alien. I've heard that from so many people. Oh, interesting. I remember a lot of things happening, and I'm pretty sure they were in Alien. It was things that I'm thinking of were in Aliens. Yeah, almost everybody yeah. has seen Aliens. Almost nobody I know who says they're huge fans of Alien have actually seen Alien. I don't know if I've seen <laughs> so, Aliens. What? Give me a give me a quick lowdown of that one. Uh, James Cameron walked into Space a pitch Marines. meeting, literally wrote S after Alien, and they they greenlit the movie. <laughs> That's the, oh, so it's the one with the with the ba- with the mother queen alien. Yes, it is the queen alien. It's the power yeah. loader. It's it's all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That is an action movie. This is a sci-fi horror movie. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two wildly different things, but they fit together so well, like peanut butter and chocolate. I don't know. I was gonna say to the benefit of uh, the James Cameron version, they did take enough of the atmosphere from this one and reuse it in theirs. Yes. To give it that creepy factor. Yes, it's it's you mean when you spaceships like like crazy planets with shitty atmosphere and crap like that. I mean, just the foreboding sense of just all these like creepy ass corridors and you know metal hallways versus taking aliens out of that environment and tossing them into like you know clean spaceships and crap like that. Like it just doesn't work out so well. At least for me, it doesn't work well. It's like plucking a Tyrannosaurus Rex out of you know Jurassic Park and plopping it onto a space station. But the Nostromo was fairly clean in the area where everyone was basically living. It it was the underbelly where the mechanics were, where all these scary parts happened. Indeed. And that's why they don't get paid enough. And it's a classist system. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it kind of was. Well, now you get a feeling that it's a classist system, and you, you're led to believe that, yeah, maybe they're underpaid. However, you don't know how much they get paid, and pretty much everyone who isn't an owner of something always says they don't get paid enough. Well, in the case of Parker and Brett, apparently they don't get paid enough. <laughs> Correct. Indeed. I like their, uh, it's, it's going to take seven, seven, seven hours, 17 hours to, uh, fix the ship. And Parker's just like, it'll take us 25. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Unions. Uh, I don't want to spoil too many things getting out of it, but yeah, I, I love that scene where they turn off the vents after, after Ripley walks away. <laughs> 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 but anyways, anyways, 
So getting right out, the, right out of the gates with this one, it sounds like we all kind of have different backgrounds with this movie. Like, I remember portions of this movie, but I there are definitely scenes in here that I'm just like, I don't remember any of this happening. Now, also prefacing my preface to prefacing what I was prefacing, um, <laughs> it has been a very long time since I've sat down and watched Alien. Like, ten plus years, at least. Yeah. I think the last time I hauled this out was when I got the Blu-ray, and that would have been 2011 or so. I bought the Blu-ray anthology just recently, and did not. It, it still it was up and up until just recently still sealed. Katie had never seen this movie either, and it was a good thing mm-hmm. that I decided to not watch this before going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> because my imagination would have it's run fine. wild. I just got up early and watched it before we recorded. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a very good idea. Except when you're trying to eat breakfast and things are jumping out of, off the screen at you. Yeah, that's uh, not good. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I didn't make a mess. I didn't lose a bunch of hash browns. It's fine. Ken, what about you? Me? Okay, so I first watched the uh, Masterpiece when it came out when I was working at family at a video store in 2006-2007 called Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Ah, the uh, shittiest of the mm. shitty remakes. I watched that movie and I said, "Oh no, huh? Why are why are people watching these movies? What, what's what's so big about this? I guess I kind of get it, but I don't know." And then uh, somebody's like, "Go back and watch the original. I think you'll get it." So I waited a while and I watched the original. I was like, "Oh crap, this is so good!" Actually, I did some research, found out that Alien was the first one, not Aliens. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I finally watched Alien to somebody. And they're like, oh, you like that pallet loader scene? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Exactly. You watch Aliens, right? I'm like, (laughs) no, there was no. no, hmm." It's so crazy how everybody's memory just immediately snaps back to Aliens versus Alien. It's nuts. Yeah. And this was probably 2008, 2009 when I watched both of those movies then because I heard about a pallet loader and a queen and had to watch that one, too. Mm -hmm. That's probably about the last time I watched any of these movies movies in this movie ripley is not nearly the uh the badass that she is in various what? other in all, the other movies all humble beginnings dan yes all this is this is the 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 seed in which her badassery grows from yeah definitely dude, dude she she tried her damn hardest to uphold scientific standards by not opening that damn airlock <laughs> that was badass her saying no to the captain of the ship and saying fuck you i'm following protocol yep Protocol dictates that we're not bringing this on the ship. Well, all the people except for what's her name, the other chick that oh, really didn't do Lam- anything. She's Lambert. A lot and cries. Lambert. Yes. Lambert. So that that is a question I have to get out of the out of the way right away. Did you guys watch theatrical or director's cut? Because there's two key differences between the movies that we're gonna have to know when we go and discuss this. Uh, I watched whatever was on prime so you go ahead and tell me the differences okay i watched director's cut or i I always watch director's cut because i prefer it but i watched the theatrical cut this time just to reacquaint myself with it the theatrical cut is missing the scene where lambert goes off on ripley outside of the medical bay in the theatrical cut they just they're all solemn about ash or uh kane's predicament and then they all just go on their way whereas in the director's cut lambert slaps ripley calls her a bitch i think oh yep i watched theatrical yeah and then on top of that dallas dallas shouts at her about her decision and she said even when you're going against protocol and he's like even what you're goddamn right he like shouts at her <laughs> so everybody basically goes off on ripley at that scene but then the other key scene that they added in for the director's cut contradicts the life cycle of the aliens coming up in the in the, in the next movies so that got taken out for a reason 
but I always remember that scene. So when I go to watch this movie and it wasn't in it last night, I was like, wait, she's boarding the lifeboat already. We're, oh, and then I had to think about it and I go back. So, uh, it's the scene where she finds Dallas and she finds Brett, uh, cocooned up in the, in the basement or not the basement, but the lower decks, uh, where, where Dallas is basically cocooned and he just whispers, kill me. And she torches the whole place down. Uh, in this movie, Ridley didn't really know where he was going to go with the whole alien life cycle. So you can see they're kind of turning into eggs. So in this movie, it kind of paints a picture that after the alien cocoons you, you become the egg. Because you can see Brett half egg, half human. That scene doesn't happen at all in the like that whole cocoon. There's no cocoon. Yeah, scene. that it's it's completely cut. It's completely cut from the theatrical. Because then when you get to aliens, then you understand the life cycle. It's egg hatches from the alien queen. She lays them. Egg hatches. Facehugger attaches to something. Plants a chestburster in. Chestburster bursts out and becomes a xenomorph. Done. Xenomorphs go around like bees, collecting living organisms, bringing them back to the queen, basically making them additional hosts for more facehuggers to hatch and, you know, continue the cycle. Whereas this one, it was more body horror, where the humans are actually becoming the eggs themselves. So that's why that was cut out. But sorry to derail things so much, I just had to get that out of the way, because I, I need to know which one we're talking about. Yeah, it's... you definitely do not get that from no, the theatrical. No, no. I just saw him slumped over in the theatrical. Yeah, cut. that's that's the bigger difference between the two too. Because even even taking the egg scene out of out of uh, the picture, the other scene is extremely important because it derails the character development. Well, actually, I, I wouldn't say derail. It just takes it down a different different avenue right off the bat. Because in the theatrical cut, you get the sense that Ripley is still respected, even though she has to make hard decisions. And it makes her. You, you kind of get the sense that she's honestly the most sane person on the ship. Whereas with the director's cut, with them yelling and basically disregarding her for her decision to not open the airlock, it really kind of creates that central rift right between the characters right off the bat, and that never gets really addressed before they're all plucked one by one. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just had to get that out of the way so we know which one we're talking about, because the character development portion is very important between these. But sorry. Sure. Sorry. Good well, I mean, out. there's still no, char- no character development for Lambert. Yeah, no, she just screams a lot and gets upset, like you said. There's a lot of characters. It's going to har- be hard to get them all in there. Yeah. Uh, Joe? Joe, do you have any uh, early memories with this here movie? So with the series of Alien in general, my earliest experience with the movies is Aliens because that was like peak time for me. Was that 86? Yeah, I was all about that movie. I was right there at the cusp and enjoying every moment of it. Now, my first experience with Alien comes from one or two places is either from seeing a clip of the chest bursting scene from something referencing it in talking about aliens like on HBO or something where they have a featurette talking about the movie or it was from Spaceballs. <laughs> One of those two places is where my first experience with Alien came from. So many of my friends didn't understand that scene and it makes me so sad. Yeah, I mean it got me to go, I don't know what this is. I should look into Oh, and then so the first, I think the first time I saw it, I didn't know what it was referencing. Second time or whatever, I started seeing it. It was after 86, and I totally understood what it was referencing. But it was referencing the movie before. And I was like, oh, I gotta watch that sometime. And I never did. Well, I think the best part about it, too, is the fact that he actually freaking got Kane and Parker in that scene. <laughs> like, yeah. There's John Hurt, just sitting there in a Mel Brooks movie. And I like the, oh no, not again. Yes, exactly. So it wasn't exactly, you know, me watching this film. It was me being intrigued about this film by other films. <laughs> so 
it wasn't very direct. And since the people around me as I was growing up didn't really have the the want to watch the first one, I ended up never really watching it until this week. Thinking about when I actually first watched this. So my my dad used to, he'd work out in the early mornings and he we had a treadmill. He had a, a hookup where he had a like a 15 foot long headphone cable plugged into the stereo and the, st- the cable ran up the wall and across the ceiling and back down and hung just above the, the treadmill. And I think, I think he was watching Alien while he was running on the treadmill one of those one of those times that I had gotten up early when I was very little. Or was that Predator? <laughs> I can't remember anymore. I remember I, w- I remember coming down and like starting to watch it and he's just like you need to leave. This movie is not for your age and I'm like, "Oh, fine." And leaving. Was there a, a sexual tyrannosaurus on the I TV? I was like I was like if 10. So, that was Predator. I don't remember. I I don't remember. Did it have was there wrestlers I, I, in I, it? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't fully remember. I just remember being, it might have been Predator. There was a lot of jungle. You know what we think about Mm. jungle movies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Superior. (laughs) That's the stuff. It's all about foliage. Well, um, the trailer is interesting. Hey, 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 you hold your britches, bucko. We skipped over this whole doing the trailer first thing, following our format. Hey, I'm the only one who hasn't said what this movie means to me, goddammit. Well, we're out of the room. I did not. I did not. Please do. I was introduced to, I believe, Aliens Before Alien. Uh, And the way I was introduced to this is, as any good kid in the 90s, toys. I received the exploding scorpion alien from KB Toy Store, not knowing anything about aliens, but my dad telling me, you'll watch it when you're old enough. But he bought me the (laughs) toy regardless, because when you flick it, it explodes into four pieces, and I thought it was the coolest toy ever, even knowing nothing about it. Just looking at the alien itself made me excited because of the way it was shaped and how scary it was. I don't know why, but the little green scorpion facehugger type dealy thing that came with it was everywhere with me i took that thing everywhere so i eventually found myself watching a couple of scenes of aliens not really watching the whole thing so it wasn't really until middle school ish maybe more so high school ish but it was around that time when i finally got around to seeing alien specifically and it pretty much changed everything about my life and impacted it in so many ways just in terms of taste and you know, the things that I've, I've come to expect out of uh, certain horror elements, things like that. So it, it definitely warped my perspective quite a bit after viewing that movie. So yeah, as a kid, it was mostly just toys. Entertaining the idea that I would someday be able to see what this was all about. And that toy says it's from the comic book. Though. It does. But you know aliens, they were grabbing at anything they could make just so they could make an extra toy for it. <laughs> Thanks, George Lucas. Uh, George Lucas money. All right, so sorry to take my turn, Dan. How dare you? I'm <laughs> just giving you crap. <laughs> taking turns <laughs> okay dan take us down trailer okay um i had never like this this was this was a new trailer for me just the way that it was produced like i was having doing what i do with these with these each each of these episodes is that i watch the movie and then i watch the trailer and i really it it really screwed things up this time watching the trailer before watching the movie because i was trying to figure out where the first half of the trailer was like filming and i didn't realize that the the it's just a it's just an, a chicken egg in dirt 
that they're cutting back and forth between for a good 30 seconds and then they get to the meat and potatoes of the movie and they cut that all to hell like that's you that is that is a mishmash of continuity errors and everything all over the place but it, it did make me want to watch the movie because i wanted to know what the hell i just saw i think you hit the nail on the head dan it's 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 very much a what the fuck trailer it's very much a what the hell am i looking at and then after the minute and 57 seconds you're just sitting there scratching your head debating okay do i go see this or what because <laughs> yeah like you said it's just dirt and chicken egg and then all of a sudden just shots of random craziness happening and i try to put it into perspective of 1979 and think about what type of space movies people were used to before that (laughs) star wars (laughs) star wars yeah so things are not grungy dark and scary and even before that you know sci-fi is usually shiny bright hopeful space romps and now it's not this movie is 41 years old it really is and it doesn't feel like it doesn't like outside outside of the (laughs) the the dot matrix screens like the old terminal screens the computation crunching physically like outside of that things that you could make easily dis like easily disappear if they were to modernize those scenes with just a little with a like a video edit making the screen be less archaic like it could be done well, the motion sensor, that you, you can't, can't really... You'd have to do quite a bit of work to make that yeah. look more modern yeah, yeah. without reshooting. Just an interesting side note. Did you guys realize that the movie came out on the exact same day as Star Wars A New Hope, just two years later? I did not know that. Because Star Wars New Hope came out on May 25th, 1977. Alien came out on May 25th, 1979. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, must be the, the time for space movies. The date for space yeah. movies. But yeah, Joe, what you were saying is absolutely true. I mean, most sci-fi movies at the time were glorious uh, visions of what the future might look like. This was really kind of the first step towards Ridley kind of introducing that grungy dystopian sci-fi with this and then obviously followed up with Blade Runner. Because prior to this, everybody had been trying to make it, oh, the future's grand and glorious and clean! I mean, even Back to the Future 2 when that comes along, I mean, that's... Still, like, a utopia version of the future outside of the alternate timeline. But, yeah, I mean, this was kind of the first step into showing that, you know, not everything always improves. Sometimes things do get crappy. I also liked in the trailer that they made extensive use out of the anxiety sounds that are used in the movie The scream? That that three-part scream that is in the trailer is used throughout the series. It's more of a siren, not a scream. So what do you guys think? Good trailer? Bad trailer? It definitely made me want to watch the movie. Yeah, I think think maybe the first half of the trailer with just the shots between the egg and the dirt. I would dismiss that other than the music for this movie is one of my favorite film soundtracks of all time so it'd be hard for me to give that up <laughs> just because it's so much of the soundtrack right off the i bat. agree and it's made better because of the fact that i had just watched top gun <laughs> oh my god is the soundtrack for that movie absolutely awful honestly burn out burn out we it's the danger that's zone it. Dan. It's that and songs from the, the 50s dan have you lost that love and feeling i did and it, it is it is long gone and dead and buried and no one will ever find his body hey whoa, whoa, whoa. hey hey dan whoa whoa whoa, whoa. Don't, don't you dare don't no Butter. no both of you should be ashamed of yourselves <laughs> Don't worry, Dan. We'll all take our shirts off and play volleyball later. Yes. If you're lucky, we'll do a fly by your house. Great. Excellent. 
Oh, yeah. remember not to have coffee. <laughs> That's what I'm missing. <laughs> well, you better have your butt ready to go, Dan. I need more. I need more butts. <laughs> I want to see butts. <laughs> uh, we need to focus. I I totally derailed this. This this is my fault. Yeah. I'm gonna take yeah. all of the blame for this one. This one is mine. <laughs> oh, this is fine as far as the trailer for me it definitely made me want to watch it but only because i had already seen it had i not uh seen the movie already i probably would have changed or turned off the uh trailer very quickly because it did the same thing that this movie did which is take far too long to spell out the name aliens and then <laughs> or alien and then uh display what's going on however it was a really cool build throughout the entirety of that trailer which is probably more so what's going to push me to watch that so it started off low chill kind of creepy to what the heck is going on this is kind of uh kind of scary type thing going on now i imagine that the trailer was more designed for a captive audience in a theater and not as a TV commercial where people could switch it or walk away from it. Can you imagine having those sounds? Like, all those sounds, there's a lot of them in there. And they just keep on building them on and on. Can you imagine having that kind of sound just forced upon you and not being able to do anything about it? Oh, yeah, I can I can imagine it, Ken. I could see that be definitely being off-putting to a lot of people trying to watch this movie, or trying to watch whatever movie they're going to go see. <laughs> Well, they're not going to advertise this movie in front of, let's say, Bambi. I was just going to say Bambi. Good These job, days, Joe. yes. Uh, I don't movie, remember 1979. What, Disney, or what <laughs> family movie came out and they they had trailers for uh, some horror film? Oh, sure. Yeah, I remember oh, when that happened a few years back. That was just recently. Horror film, but I mean, within the, last, it was. Uh, within the last year. It was semi-accidental. <laughs> Well, let's just uh, let's run a little bit through memory lane here and see what kind of movies this could have maybe played between. I mean, there was a lot of releases in 1989, but I mean, uh, 79, my dude. Oh, 79, 79. Why am I thinking 89? But 79. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a whole decade. Uh, 79. Uh, let's see. <laughs> well, we we had Phantasm, Amityville Horror. Um, we also had 1941. Warriors, Mad Max. Warriors, Mad Max, yep. Uh, yeah, Salem's Lot. A lot of horror movies out that year, but then also some comedies, Meatballs and The Jerk, things like that. So. What is 78? Do you think they would start advertising it the year before? Oh, oh, Dan, Dan, this may be played before Disney's The Black Hole. Who ah, knows? 1978. It could have shown before Watership Down. Ooh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just prepare everybody. <laughs> Considering all those films that it could have been advertised with, we can kind of maybe imagine what someone would have done to pitch the movie to be made. Maybe something like, gentlemen? Yes, oh, yes, yes. He, he, we we totally wa- missed the cue. <clears throat> <clears throat> yes. oh, I, I don't have anything prepared, and I have no idea how he pitched I... this movie apart from... I could totally pitch but, it if nobody no, else has. Something. I got, I got nothing. I think Joe, it's been a while. It sounded like, it sounded like Joe, did Joe was trying to. Start oh, Joe, it. Joe, did you have something, or were you just trying to poke us? Do you want to lock arms and pitch together at the same <laughs> That's time? That's crazy talk. We've never done that. A double pitch. <laughs> a double pitch. Okay. All right. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Sure. So we'll do every other sentence. Considering I, get, I was hey, going to say every other word. Hey, that that actually that makes sense be... since you know the screenplay was written by two guys. Boom. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hello, gentlemen. Oh, hello, hello. What do you got for us today? We have 
a space movie pitch for you oh, today. Oh, is this another Star Wars? Mm. I don't know. That didn't do very well. No, 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 no. No, Star Wars did great. Did. What are you talking about? I hated it. Oh, it was okay. boring. No, uh, we we want to do we want to do an atmospheric sci-fi horror movie. A what? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Space. Yeah. There is no atmosphere. Th- th- that's it. that's just it though. We have the best tagline that we could possibly conceive. In space, no one can hear you scream. Is that true though? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I feel I've never been up in space. I wouldn't know. <laughs> So it's it's micro atmosphere or something up there. So there's particles that you could get to vibrate, but they're so spaced out that you're not really gonna do much for making sound. Huh. Mm. Okay, but this is science so, fiction, yeah. Yeah. so we don't really have to. It's fine. Yeah, what, yeah. What, let's let's hear about this movie. Well, well, it, it, I mean, you guys have seen Jaws, right? That that film from from four years ago, with Steven Spielberg. Uh, you know, the the, oh, just, oh, the shark. Oh. Uh, we, we need a bigger know, boat. Yeah, yeah, Jaws yeah, 2 yeah, last yeah, yeah. year? No, not Jaws 2. Jaws. The original Jaws. Remember how suspenseful that was? Because, yeah, you go into a movie about a shark, and everybody's talking about the shark, but you barely even see the shark. I was so disappointed. You were disappointed in not seeing the... Oh, man, because that, that, that's kind of what we were thinking. Is, isn't that right? Just not, not show yeah. the creature as often and, and build up to when you see it to make it more terrifying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Believe me, I have my buddy, who's a graphic designer... He's like 6'10", and I put him in this rubber suit. He is crazy scary looking, but only in the dark. <laughs> That's how dedicated we are. We made a rubber look. suit to test this theory before we actually pitched to you, gentlemen. Yes. That's yeah, a very good idea. We'll need more money to make a better rubber suit. Maybe add some hoses to it or something. Do you have, do you have some stills? We'd love to see this. Oh, oh that's my terrifying. God. Uh, uh, yeah, yes. We, we did reach out to a, 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 a German fellow, and he... He draws some very provocative things. Uh, kind of think of think of sci-fi penises, and and we intend to make the monster look like that in a way. We ha- we're doing a movie about giant alien penises. I don't know if I can get in on this. I think you're thinking like a puritanical American. This is a British film. Well, why are we okay, making okay. this film? Ideas for sent over to an alien. <laughs> Okay, what gentlemen. is this movie actually going to do? Okay, gentlemen, maybe maybe this will change your mind, because I, I feel like we're not talking on the same level here. This image, this should be everything you need to see and what we intend to convey on film. Oh, what? And it's, it's going to be perfectly visible by everybody with their headsets on. Don't worry. Uh, for those who, ha- who those who cannot see, I have forwarded over an image from uh, Geiger, who is uh, yes, yes, uh, I cannot this, see this wonderful uh, prelude to the facehugger jamming a, a thing down a guy's throat. <sighs> yeah, so it's a black and white photo. It's definitely German expressionism. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. German expressionism in in style. It is a styled profile of a body. Does not look to be wearing a shirt. They're Shoulders are resting against a rock, and their head is resting on top of said rock. And there is a face hugger with three limbs attached to the side of his neck, but still floating. A distended sack hanging underneath the face hugger, and a large proboscis going straight down said person's throat. From what you would presume to be its mouth. It looks like they're looking in each other's eyes, too. It's kind of romantic. <laughs> kind of, in a terribly... German sort of way. <laughs> horrific sense but doesn't that make you want to see the movie particularly Ah? i don't that's Ah? just really off-putting to be honest wait wait you don't want that to happen to you and that's kind of like the open threat we've got going in this film 
All right, let me let me simplify things for you, gentlemen. Space truckers. Space truckers haul in their big freight back to Earth. They get on a distress call and they go to check it out, and then nothing goes the way you expect it to. Space truckers. Oh, why didn't you say that before? Convoy? Wait, was convoy out yet? It doesn't matter. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. There you go. Space truckers. I like that. How about how about more Smokey and the Bandit in space with less Smokey and, and more Bandit and. Yeah, yeah, less Smokey, because Smokey's going to be in the, in the in the background a lot. And you're only going to see Smokey every once in a while. But can mustaches grow in space? I really hope so. <laughs> Ask Dallas. <laughs> oh, good lord. So, outside of pitch time, Smokey and the Bandit was 77. Convoy was 78. Ooh. Space Smokey and the con- uh, Bandit Convoy was 79. <laughs> <laughs> good reference. Ken. Mixed with some Star Wars. Well done. Well done. Excellent. So all these all these fit the timeline. It it as a movie was something that people had not seen yet. Yes, there's a reason why it is notorious for people running out of the theaters. I could see this being absolutely terrifying had I not been totally desensitized to anything else violent or horrific oh for sure it's also really hard to go back to this one and put your blinders on because i get very upset at a character before they even do anything in the movie because i know what's coming ash i'm like you son of a bitch (laughs) (laughs) which uh this seems like an opportune time to say uh rest in peace uh Miss Mr. Ian Holm, Harry Dean Stanton, and John Hurt. Yeah. We lost three of the crew yeah. of the Nostromo in the last three years. Oof. Yeah. Ian Holm as recently as this year. Yeah. We also lost the alien back in 1996. Yes, that is true. That's a good thing we got CGI. It's the only film the guy ever did. Oh, really? They yeah. find a taller person to he- be the queen in the next movie? Oh, uh, it's a puppet. Yeah, that was, that was some good Stan what? Winston. That was some good Stan Winston. <laughs> it ain't real, Ken. Ken, it was so good that that's why Steven Spielberg's like, wow, that was a great alien. Make me a T-Rex full size. <laughs> that Stan Winston had to build a bigger shop. <laughs> well, I've already made reference to one of my big notes about what I like about this movie is the fact that it's 40, 40 years old and you can tell where movies that came after it took design notes from oh for sure because the inside of the nostromo Mm -hmm. and the outside of the nostromo were fantastic yes absolutely i also love models yeah and and that's i think my biggest note about this movie hands down is no matter how many times i see it it is oozing with so many personal details every time i watch this movie i find something new like think about any other movie where they have to stop a countdown timer for something and they they either have to you know turn a key or flip a switch this has two full pull down switches in a wall four individual canisters she has to screw an individual device into raise each individual canister flip a switch on each one of those it's like everything has a purpose and a reason no matter how minute the detail is i mean even just from the opening shot the opening shot with the model like you're talking about the opening shot with this with space and everything when it gets to the point where it's the stromo's flight deck there's rips in the seat there's duct tape covering up certain parts of it this ship is worn it's used there's so many juicy little details it's got a life of its own even beyond the characters, even beyond the plot, just the freaking Nostromo has so much personality. Well, it's got Mother. It does have Mother. And Mother's very nice. The AI that's not really an AI that controls the ship, what the but acronym stands is never for. talked to or about. We find out. I don't know, but I'm, I'm sad yeah. that we went down our darkest timeline and we don't have AI that actually sounds like chuka 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 
chaka chaka as it talks to us. <laughs> so, mother is an abbreviation of M U T H U R, which is the model of the the M U T H U R six thousand was the name of the machine. Wow, life of its own. It was a two point one terabyte. Wait, Tony. Two point one terabytes in nineteen seventy nine. Holy crap! Just imagine what you could do with that much space. So it was MU stood for mainframe unit terabyte hard drive TH. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like there's a real like that was just what they gave it, and then they actually in the in the movie when Ripley takes the the chip out of that like socket, there's a there's a a nameplate that has M-U-T-H-U-R on it. Looking at a photo. What is the I U-R don't know. stand for? Dan, you told I us don't what know. everything else I can't for. seem to find a, a breakdown of what... User... Remediator? User... Rectifier? Yeah. Let's see if there's anything in the Alien Anthology what? wiki. They also um spent... I mean, the design of the interface with Mother, it just makes me go, what? Now, in 1979, would I have been like that? Probably not. I probably would Look at all those flashing lights. Think of all the things it's doing because all the flashing lights on the ceiling. God, there's lights flashing on the ceiling. The technology involved with this. Oh, my God. So, Joe, you're telling me that if uh, the data center at work looked like Mother, you wouldn't want to do networking for it anymore? I would just walk out because I'd be like, this is garbage. We're wasting so much energy on LEDs. LEDs are really Those cheap. LEDs, and, and, we're wasting more money on computation there's power. A lot, there's a lot of but filaments they're, in but that But they're screen. just white LEDs. You got to get like RGB LEDs and then sync them up to your speakers. And now the data center is thumping. <laughs> uh, speaking of lights and, and uh, uh, mother in general... Just adding to my point about the amount of detail in this movie, like little things. Did you guys notice that one light that doesn't work in the doorway of Mother? Both the times that uh, Dallas goes in there and Ripley go in there. There's that one off to the left that doesn't light up. It blinks once, but it never comes on. There's just so many little things that are broken on the ship. So many different things that are in different states. It's just, it's, (laughs) it's my favorite part of the movie. The fact that none of the air hatches in the air vents actually close. Yes, they always leave that little tiny opening, which in the video game is terrifying because you can see things can move past it but whole nother story <laughs> i'll certainly agree it is very pretty very well uh set design somebody really enjoyed going into work every day to put together that set oh my god there's so many little gushing things it's like there's personality every time you turn a corner even when you get to when you get to the later scene in parker's bunk he's just got all the nudes pasted up and cut out of magazines all over his bunk and things like that like the characters shine through this film simply because of how much personality the nostromo has within the walls and a lot of it's iconic yeah, now a lot of it is it's like the uh sleepy room where it starts i mean when the lights come on and the little hoods come up to me that's more iconic than when it happens in aliens agreed yeah. It's a stark contrast to the jockey ship. Yeah, for sure. Because like, unless you watch Prometheus, which well, is, we don't talk about that. Let's let's not talk about so the jockey ship anyway. is that yes. crashed one. Correct? Yes, yes. So now this is the problem with this movie is because it's like you said, forty-one years old, and it's a series. So now there's way more information about what is going on. I know, which is depressing because that's one of the 
strong points of this movie that always kept me just craving more without having answers because there's so many things you want to know more about in this film constantly at every turn what the hell are half those pieces of equipment sitting down in the in the lower decks of the ship like there's like bulldozer looking things there's like all there's kinds a, of different excavation excavation machines i know no, no, that wasn't a claw. That was one of the landing gear. Was it a landing gear? gear? Oh, yes, it was. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that later because it, it took me, I don't know how many viewings of this throughout my lifetime to finally understand that scene. The thing that I thought was crazy about the Nostromo was the oh, yeah. water. Why was everything so That's wet? That's what I was going to get to. <laughs> That's what I was going to get to. The uh, I finally got an explanation for that because that scene always confused me because the, the, quote, rain coming down Oliver Brett as he is standing in that room. If you look closer, that is the landing gear room. So that has all the atmospheric pressure and everything else that was built up on that landing gear claw when it was down on the planet. That's after they go back into space. So that's all the condensation falling off of the equipment from being outside. So he's letting all that space water pour all over so him. So what you're saying, it was better off that the alien got him and he didn't die of, like, you know, infections? Of moon dust cancer, yeah. Huh. That and it's just like, <laughs> wouldn't that water corrode the metal of the ship? What is the ship made out of now? I need to know because <laughs> that much water in a spaceship, I'm like, come on, this has got to do damage. But I could be just not knowledgeable enough to know what the Nostromo is made out of, that it's non-corrosive or something No, like no, the Nostromo um, has proven already that it has the two best repair men in the galaxy. They're just sorely underpaid, <laughs> which is why nothing gets fixed. Yes. <laughs> I So I, I watched this, and I don't have a lot of a lot of notes and i have very little in the way of things that i that took me out of move out of the movie and there's only one i just i i really enjoyed this movie i enjoyed watching it i enjoyed i enjoyed it from beginning to end there wasn't a part of this movie that i didn't like there were just a couple of things that kind of are nitpicky and is only because of the technology that mm -hmm. they had available to them 40 years ago. I hear you. I don't know if I want to step on your toes. Or, okay, so are we still being in the good, I would be positive good. light yeah, of things? Like, or I have the, crossing I mean, the threshold? The only other few notes that I have are that the sci-fi movies nowadays rarely take atmospheric re-entry into account. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, sure. This movie It's did. always this is glossy spaceship that comes in and out and lands without yep. issues. The only thing that I didn't... I mean, I'm, I did enjoy what you are saying... I just didn't like uh, the fact that they didn't have the ability to film the sh the model of the ship better to have it land better than just vertically. Yeah, yeah. Because like once they get through the atmosphere, then it's just they're dropping straight down. But again, I think that falls under technology. It falls under technology of the, of the time. time. And if you look at that ship, there is no way it could fly in atmosphere. It's a brick. There's no way the ship in Aliens could fly in atmosphere either, mm -hmm. but it does. Science. Because sci-fi. And I think, I think you guys... must have figured it out because it was working. And you guys, I, I hate... <laughs> I, again, I hate to beat on this door with Prometheus, but I think Prometheus is a good contrast to that in the way that that ship lands on the planet. How dare you? I know... Now you're making me think about going back to watch. Don't, Atlanta. don't. It's a, it's a, it's a. It, that movie is visual eye candy and nothing else. Nothing else. But it, it has nothing to do with the Alien series. Yes, it does, unfortunately. <laughs> because the original explanation for the jockey that was just kind of off to the side, speculation-wise, all these years was basically that whatever that alien was found a planet with these eggs, 
Didn't know what they were. Filled up his hold bay with them. One of them probably got on and impregnated him with an alien. He woke up, didn't know what was happening, got in his chair and flew off only for his chest to burst and crash land on that planet. But he still has a face hugger on yeah, him. Yeah, so either way, I mean, it, it's more interesting to come up with ways of why it happened versus the overly philosophical BS that we got from Prometheus. <laughs> so I, I like to just cut that out and pretend it doesn't exist, even though you can't do that. I, <laughs> I, I try. Because I was obsessed with this film for years, trying to like just... It always nagged at me, like, what is that giant alien in that chair? Where did it come from? What's that story? And then here I am as an adult saying, why did you ask that, you dumbass? Yeah. I mean, it it does good for the viewer because, yeah, you do ask those questions. But I love the crew because they check it out and they're like, hey, look at his bones broke. <laughs> cool. Something killed him from the inside. You know, they're not shocked by seeing a 10-foot-tall humanoid. To them, it's just another thing. Totally desensitized to the fact that they were in serious danger. It also plays to the fact that there's a much bigger universe than what the movie is showing us. Because, to me, they've obviously encountered something like that before. And that's what drives me nuts about being here in the post-2000s and having Ridley Scott been basically given the reins to just make as many bullshit alien movies on top of this as he wants, so... I'm glad they slowed the roll down after Alien Covenant, but it's getting to the point, instead of introducing new, fresh ideas and making you ask more questions, it's checking things off a checklist that either nobody did ask for or that people have been asking, so that way everything is a neat little tiny bow packaged on top of it. And that's, I, I repeatedly say that in every one of these recordings, is I like movies that make you think and make your imagination run wild with why the thing is the way it is, versus beating you over the head and filling in all the gaps for you that just... It diminishes the experience for me. That's why I prefer movies from the 80s and 90s, because they, they did that constantly. They just left so many things unanswered, so that way you, as the viewer, you let your imagination run wild and make you excited for the next adventure you got to go on. It just doesn't happen anymore. Well, here's the deal. People were much more interested back in the day watching what they were going to watch. Versus waiting they to get on their, their phones. Again. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have their phones or other things distracting them at all times. And so you had people more involved in the movie, so you had to have more things to keep them interested and engaged in the movie so yeah you add these questions not answered so they keep on thinking about well what why why versus oh i'm confused phone time and people do it yep. not even consciously these days yeah it's it's sad for me because I it, it, it makes me realize how much things have changed and some things for better some things are worse but yeah that that feeling of leaving a movie and then thinking about it for 10 plus years wondering about all the little nuances yeah, it's gone. My fa- <laughs> my favorite example when I'm trying to explain that to people is uh, National Treasure movies. I don't know if I brought it up here yet. I think um, you have, but it's still good. <laughs> I've, I've told you guys in real life, uh, at least, about, about this, uh, but I, I like this. In the first National Treasure and the second National Treasure, they both have the same basic ending. Nicolas Cage walks into a... Uh, a very very dark room he's holding a torch and he can't see anything he looks to the trench beside him in the first movie he puts his torch to this thing to the trench and then flames go shooting down the trench and then like light up the entire room burning all the stuff in the trench and that in the second movie he takes his fingers he puts it in the trench and smells it and he says out loud it's oil 
and then he sets it on fire, which was completely unnecessary. <laughs> you don't really need to put that in there. It's explaining away everything. Well, it's because like, It's like I said about the 2016 Ghostbusters to you guys. They explained every joke after it happened. And, and it's the same thing like you're saying with this. It's You got to get to the point where the audience knows everything that's happening. So they feel satisfied leaving the theater because there's nothing that they have to scratch their heads about. There's nothing they're puzzled about and they are full. Nothing better than... Uh, having to leave in the movie and only having to watch it once because you got all the jokes the first time. That makes me sad to hear it put that way. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and with this movie... Oh, God, you can keep on watching it. The audience that stayed... Hey, okay, she didn't die from the alien. The audience now that stayed yes. had questions. The audience that left the theater had no questions and did not want to see another one. Let me, let me say, I, after 12 years... I came back to this movie remembering watching a video of why Prometheus sucks and them saying they both have uh, this, the movie we're talking about and Prometheus both have Android counterparts. And I remembered that in the back of my head, but I had for completely forgotten which person was the Android. In this movie or in so Prometheus? I sat there, it, in this movie. Oh, okay. I haven't actually seen uh, Prometheus, but I know it's Fassbender. Sorry, yeah, he's, spoilers. He, he's honestly probably the high, highlight of that movie. And it's not too much I'm of a sure spoiler. He is. They, they pretty much beat it over the head right away that he's an android and that we send androids off on this. Whereas this was just left field out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> he just starts malfunctioning and leaking milk and... <laughs> Just spinning around all over the walls. <laughs> that's because he got bashed with a, a hydrant or something heavy. He's like, that's that's what happens when he takes damage, apparently. He was breaking down before Yeah, it was, it was a scene yeah. inside of Mother. He had, like, milk leaking down his forehead. And then he started oh, to come after Ripley. Because he locked, he locked the door and everything else. <laughs> Earlier than that, he was talking about being cold. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, and interesting. he was jogging in place to warm up. That was... Yeah. Uh, I was trying to figure out why they had him run in place when I remembered that he's the android. I was like, wait, he was running in place. Like, I figured that was like some sort of like nervous energy. He was like, oh, we're landing on the planet. We're going to start doing this thing. It's uh, and getting all nervous. He's and already in places. Apparently he's malfunctioning. That I mean, that 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 really makes sense. And that falls me. within the universe of the movie because the Nostromo is in total disrepair. Yeah. Which maybe that means they weren't being paid enough. But the question then becomes, how did they know that he was, like, how did they not know he was a robot? Why was that a surprise? What was it? Dallas said that uh, the usual guy for the science team was swapped out last minute and replaced by yeah. him. So Wayland, Wayland Utani knew something along these lines. They must have gotten the communication or something. So when they were coming back, they knew all about this. And they had the directors going through Ash and everything. That's that's why he knew about them before anyone else. That's one of my, that was one of my questions. How did Wayland Utani know that the, the creature was out there? Somehow they knew. Somehow they knew and they swapped out Ash, got him on board. And it was all after that, all history. <laughs> In hindsight, my only guess is that they said they had a uh, distress beacon that they they saw. Now, whether or not that was a real distress beacon is It wasn't a distress beacon. Ripley, Ripley deciphered that, that it was a warning. Which, again, we have an explanation for, thanks to freaking Prometheus, but... So, am I thinking... Hold on, because I don't really remember Prometheus that well. <laughs> was that a prequel? Yes, it was a yes. full-on prequel explaining literally everything, beating you over the head, telling you every answer to everything as to why this started. And versus having it just be some horrifying, you know, existing alien organism out in space that just happened to be something they stumbled across, Prometheus really kind of turns it down more so the route of a manufactured bioweapon. Technically, because of that movie, we're all basically kind of manufactured 
to a degree. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. <laughs> Every time somebody brings up brings up for me, that, that's for a, a little bit later. It, it feels it feels literally like we are all like trying to get away from Prometheus in the same way as uh, the the spaceship rolling directly behind us, and none of us can get out of the way. <laughs> we just keep running in a straight line, ready to be crushed. We all know we shouldn't be talking about Prometheus, but. We just can't help but to move out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone was also very upset about the scientists just poking and prodding the eggs in Prometheus. And it's like, uh, why would they be so stupid to do that? But then they're doing that in this There's movie a difference, too. though. There's a difference. In, okay, so... Damn it, Prometheus! Okay, so... No, let's not. We have to... There's focus. a difference. We cannot... I have to say this oh, one okay. piece. This one piece. This movie, none of these characters know anything about the situation they're in. It's entirely new and fresh to them. They have no training based off of microorganisms or anything else science-related. They are literally space, space truckers. The one science officer they have on the ship is there for his own nefarious purposes and doesn't have the crew's interest in mind. This entity gets introduced to the ship, and they don't know anything about it or how to deal with it. One by one, they fall apart due to their flaws. It makes sense. Prometheus. All of the characters in that movie have strong character traits right off the bat. They beat you over the head and tell you this is what this character believes in, this is what this character feels, and they let you know that that's who they are. The second they get on that planet, they all start shedding their traits one by one and doing things that are way outside of what they just told you that character does or believes. Just for the sake of progressing the plot and getting them, oh no, they got killed. One by one. Ah, Mr. Rothy, you're mistaken (laughs) that everyone likes to put up a facade and they like to put up their... uh, they're false things, but once it, when the rubber meets the road, when the aliens breathe acid breath on your necks, you're gonna fall apart. You're gonna shed that skin. But that was before you show your true colors. But that was before any of that. That'd be like Indiana Jones declaring, "I hate snakes. I'm terrified of them," and then falling into a pit of snakes and just picking them up and whipping them at walls. And that that was what happened in Prometheus, and that's why so many people hate the characters in Prometheus because. It makes no sense. They were just there to progress the deaths. That's it. This movie, it makes sense because they're freaking space truckers. They don't deal with alien organisms or any kind of threat outside of maybe machinery breakdown or atmospheric issues. They don't deal with anything out of the ordinary. This completely pits them against something they've never seen or dealt with before. Call me silly, but I'm no scientist. Oh, silly Joe. But if I see a space egg with something moving inside of it... I'm not getting anywhere near that thing. But you're only not getting near that thing because of this movie. I mean, yes. All, all comments aside about Kane's mistake. <laughs> no. Kane was just curious. That's freaking creepy. Kane just saw the saw the egg. I mean, I mean, I, I thought the egg was scary too when he falls down and kicks that one and then he gets back up. But when he shines his light through the egg, that's probably one I would be curious too. I wouldn't put my head directly over the damn egg after, after it opened up. I'd run for my life, but... At this point, it's uh, good to have yourself an android that you can uh, have poke and prod these things that you have no idea, but you know it's some sort of organic life. You can have them poke and prod and be like, oh, well, the android died. That's all right. We'll just get a new one. Oh, you mean instead of having the one the one uh, thing that wouldn't have been affected by this whole scene, stay on board the ship to watch them die? Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes Which sense. Which I'm pretty sure happened on purpose. Yeah. That's all right. He's just a science officer. He doesn't get to go explore. <laughs> Do you think that they put 
like you said that they had swapped him out last second yeah, that's, to put him on that one. That's what Dell so said, yeah. Did they, so did they put him on there because they knew that they were going to come across this distress call and they wanted to send people down? That's what it sounds like, at least. It sounds like Wayland yutani had uh, some sort of information prior to, prior to this and wanted to ensure that they investigated and brought the life form back at all costs. That's at least what it sounds like. It's way too coincidental that literally right before the ship takes off, they put a sleeper agent on board the ship to basically say screw the entire crew and and only focus on bringing back the one thing that's completely out of the normal normal flight path for them i mean it's just it, it all adds up based off of that one quote that they swapped him out last minute but I'm, I'm trying to find the exact quote right now well that and aliens commits to that line of uh, thought as well because uh that dude that no one likes in that movie says straight up that they want it and they're bringing it back, and Ripley's their gal to help him because she's dealt with him and survived. I honestly never remember his name. I only know him as Paul Reiser. And every time anything he's yes. in, with when my wife watches anything with Paul Reiser, I shout, "God damn, Paul Reiser! He killed how many Marines?" And she gets so pissed <laughs> off, so pissed off. I just get rationally mad when I see his smug ass face, knowing what he was responsible for. You need to connect that, and you'd be like, Paul Reiser. I'm mad about you. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Joe, Joe, Joe. Oh, yes. I'm going to be on the Helen Hunt for the perfect uh, perfect sayings to tell her next time. <laughs> I need to get my puns in order. Are you still looking for the line? What's yeah, going it's, on it's not. I'm, I'm trying to find it. Uh, while I'm looking for that, I'm just going to say... Uh, another thing that I thoroughly enjoyed was this is one of the few films I can think of where finally the the arbitrary countdown clock goes wrong. Does it go Every wrong? movie it's always last second. It's it she tries to shut off the uh, self-destruct before the failsafe is uh is passed and she misses it by what like 10 15 seconds. This is one of the few movies I can think of where the character doesn't miraculously stop the clock. I feel like that the the stop the clock failed by design. I don't know cuz she's she wanted it to blow up when she was anticipating leaving with everybody. But in the theatrical cut without finding the nest, I think she was trying to shut the clock off cuz she didn't know what happened to Parker and Lambert. Well, she does she beforehand? I, I can't remember the, the order of things. So she finds them, and as she's going back, she sees the alien. Then she runs back up to the deck to try and stop the countdown. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, for once, it wasn't movie magic where a character stops a clock at the last minute. She set it to self-destruct. She couldn't stop the self-destruct. And then she had to really book ass to get off the ship before it blew up. She had 20 seconds. It's like, whoa. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I think I think this movie did a great job of putting a cattle prod against your ass in terms of making you feel the tension the characters are going through constantly. I mean, there wasn't a moment in the movie, really, after the creature was introduced where it didn't feel like, dear God, keep moving, get out of there. <laughs> it did once she picked up Jonesy. Oh, yes, Jonesy. There was a part in this movie, the first time I watched it, the sec this time I watched it, not so much, but the first time I watched it, when, uh, what's his name, is crawling through the uh, air ducts the first time. Dallas? He's got yeah. the torch. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dallas. Dallas, yeah. She says, oh, I see him in the thing. I see another thing in there with you. And he turns, and the alien's right there, and the alien stretches his arms out. And does jazz hands? Jazz hands. That took He's me. He's hug. That, I mean, <laughs> I can understand where, like, that's 
kind of, you know, you, you got to, you're going to be restrained. You're going to get the alien mouth in your mouth type thing. However, the jazz hands coming from there really kind of took me out of the movie. I, I agree. The first time I watched it. <laughs> I agree. For a little bit. And it definitely uh, brought a certain amount of levity from where I was like super creeped out and a little on the edge of the entire movie up until that point. And maybe it was just my breaking point. I, I feel like that was definitely a thing at the time. Like, I feel like that was what you'd expect from a scare at the time. Whereas nowadays, if this would have been, let's say two, three years ago, it would have been, it jumps at the screen. So yeah, it would definitely point, have been just... a much more, uh, it jazz hands. Yeah. Uh, the most recent one where he comes up from the water and starts chasing at him, which also remind me of this movie, the, not the most recent one. It, not it chapter two, uh, <laughs> where he comes out of the water and jazz hands towards, uh, um, uh, da, da, I don't remember his name, Georgie's brother. And, and then he runs away. Uh, yeah. But that one was a little bit more scary because it was actually like coming at you at the camera. It makes me wonder versus if versus that one was just there. This, this, this scene was like, they, they did a bunch of takes and that was the best one that they could get. There's a really good chance. All right, I, I did manage. I did manage to find the quote, guys. It was it was brutal, but I found it. All right, all right. So, take this in, if you will. Ripley. Okay. Ripley, did you ever ship out with Ash before? Dallas. I went out five times with another science officer, but they replaced him two days before we left Thetis with Ash. Hmm. Ripley, I don't trust him. Dallas, I don't trust anybody. He worked with another mm. science officer for five frequent or five missions. different missions. And then they replaced him two days before they left. And they're on these missions long enough where they need to go into, what, a cryo sleep? Yeah. Is that what's going on? Yeah. How long are these missions they're going on? They got to be pretty long. Years. Yeah. Like, imagine... Exactly. And then they just Imagine leaving Earth in 1950 and coming back in 2020. (laughs) Some things have changed. Some things have changed and then changed back. And... Some uh, things never actually changed. Other things are just insane well that's kind of what happens between alien and aliens is that ripley's daughter has died of old age because she was just floating out in space oh, for that's so right. long. That oh that's one of the best parts of that film i love that little bit of backstory well, don't do that we have other films to watch Aww. i know aliens is so good <laughs> keep that keep that keep that thought for two weeks from now i don't know if I said I don't know if we're doing aliens again or if we're uh, doing a different series. Probably not aliens because we've Lee and oh, I. Okay, okay. I, was, I was scared yeah, that, that, that checks. I was scared we were about to venture down the dark path in the woods that leads to Alien Resurrection, and I'd rather not go there. <laughs> Let alone <laughs> Alien Three is bad enough. It's like a broke down shit house with like just a bunch of bodies out in front of it. I don't want to pass that <laughs> in the woods alone, but <laughs> Resurrection's like going to the whole bad part of the town. We're talking about the other badness with this series what about the badness in this movie other than old technology yes we officially hit that threshold. i actually look i actually like the old technology it gave it it gives a movie a very specific feel yes and whereas it's not necessarily realistic it's also a sci-fi movie and so it gives you that old school sci-fi feeling and it it, it still feels almost modern just because it, it's that's what it's been established to be yeah. but it's also it's just it's a really cool aesthetic and it's one of the things that makes me love uh green screen even though actually doing green st- screen stuff sucks oh yeah for sure for sure but I, I completely agree with that it's 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 outdated yes but it fits the alien aesthetic so Pathos. damn well that it is actually a, it's, it's another part of it's another character from the series 
You can't go into an mm-hmm. alien movie without this. You can't have alien without the Nostromo. And you can't have an alien movie without chunky screens, green screens, and, and old, you know, just, it fits. It just fits that they're retrofitting these Is machines it? with such crappy technology, or they have all this extra technology just laying around from the past that they're just cramming into this crap and sending it out to fly. They don't give a shit. They're just trying to get bodies out in space grabbing crap as fast as they can to bring back for profit. They do not care if it looks nice. They do not care if it's functional. <laughs> like... That, that's and also this, so nice. As stated, this thing has been out in the space for long enough to need to be in cryo sleep. <laughs> well, so. They yes. also make a reference yes. to the ship being in dry dock and they don't want to do that. My, my only bad note is the transition of headless ash between being a mannequin and being Ian Holm. Oh, right. It's a very noticeable cut, yep. but I forgive the cut because the scene's so well I done. I forgive the cut because how would you do that? <laughs> 40 years ago. I know. It's 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 hard to say anything negative about it simply because it's so well done for being as old as it is. The cut is very abrupt. I thought it was weird that they had the actor pick up the head and keep on trying to put it in place so it sticks instead of having the actor just pick up the head and hold it and then cut to his head, have their hand on the head and pull off the head. So it's a, a much smoother cut where he's just like, oh, hey, look, I'm back alive. Um, it's weird to me that they... D- that they decided to go with the uh, keep on trying to pick up the head and make it sit in place so we can make it look like it's supposed to be this way. Yeah. It was a weird choice. However, I still love the scene. It's uh, janky in a fun sort of way. Yeah. And I would say after the punch, when they're pissed off and they punch it, that smirk is <laughs> awful when it gets punched. But then the scene where they look back and Parker torches it, it looks fine. So I don't know. It's like the face looks stupid and it looks fake as hell after it gets punched or as it's getting punched. But then the clear shot of the table as they're leaving the room, it looks exactly like Ian Holm. I don't know. It's it's still a, it's still a, a fake face at that point. It's not Ian Holm himself, but I don't know what the difference is between that close-up shot where he gets punched and then <laughs> being torched, but I don't know. My, my one big gripe for this film is something that I've held on to since the very first time I saw it, and I use it a lot. I use it frequently. It's one of those quotes I always bring out just because it sounds so unnatural and so stupid. None of the crew knew what was going to happen. When the scene with the chestburster happened. Ridley Scott wanted it to be a surprise so he could capture everybody's authentic shock and terror as it burst through Mr. John Hurt's chest. Everybody, oh, crazy. Everybody's shocked. Everybody's scared. And Lambert gives out the worst reaction I've ever heard. And I use it so frequently because it sounds so dumb. It's that, oh god! Whatever the hell that was. But just the way she says it, it doesn't sound natural at all. It sounds so bizarre and I, I i just love it for that it's so ridiculously strange amongst all the chaos happening in that scene and it definitely it definitely uh, stuck in my head because i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> it's so shrill for me it's like it, it's like the scenes the matrix uh not like this she reminds me a lot of shelly from uh the shining yes i would say shelly from the shining or uh daniel larusso's mom from uh karate kid she reminds me of those two characters immensely i can see that yeah. And for some reason, she looks like the pilot in Aliens to me. Oh, yeah. Like, Same style doing? haircut and everything. So that's confusing for a young Joe watching yeah. movie back to back. Oh, that's right. You didn't see <laughs> Alien. That's right. That That's why everyone gets it confused. <laughs> Just because of her. They're using the same characters. What's up with that? Cheap Hollywood. It's nice that you brought that dead woman back, sir. Uh, so there was something else. What was it? I was trying to think of it and then 
Mr. Rothy th- brought up that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I should write these. I should. <laughs> no, I should write this stuff down. This is 100% my fault. It was hard for this movie. I'm yeah. going to admit, I sat down with a notepad and my phone out. Both were shoved off to the side within the opening credits. I didn't take notes the entire film <laughs> just because it sucks me in like that. Two and a half hours feels like nothing it's when you watch two. this movie. It's it's like two and 15, two and 16, something like that. With the director's cut, it is. The original well, theatrical yeah. cut is an hour I mean, and 57 minutes. Uh, the director's cut's either shorter or the same length as the theatrical cut, but it adds the two scenes in. It just shuffles things around, I guess. Yeah, let's not get confused. This is definitely a long movie. There's a lot of stuff that happens in it. It's Yes. You know, you got your intro, really slow crawl to the uh, Star Wars flyover to being inside the ship and go- showing you all the intric- intricacies of the ship that they put into this thing. And then they get into the story, introduce the crew, all that fun stuff. We got to land, they land on a planet, they come out, and now the meat of the movie that everyone expects happens, where you got them being chased around the ship by an alien, and then everyone's dead, and there's a whole other section after that that I forgot existed when I was watching this. So it just, it did definitely feel like it kept on going. This is going to sound kind of pompous, but I definitely group people i know into two categories those who love alien or like alien even and then those who say oh this movie's boring as hell or oh that's the boring alien where's aliens there's very there's very much two camps i've known people who have said that alien is a boring movie and they didn't like it because it was slow and those are the kind of people who i think don't appreciate atmospheric horror i guess a slow pace the same kind of people who it does it does but it's, it's the same thing video games wise. It's the same thing. I, I love Resident Evil and Silent Hill, but I prefer Silent Hill because it's more so atmospheric terror and it makes you feel like you don't even want to walk into the next room and open a door just because you don't know what's going on all around you. Whereas Resident Evil, they put tools in your hands and they basically pump up the action to make you feel empowered to fight whatever monster it is. I mean, we're talking grenade launchers, rocket launchers and crazy kung fu kicks and shit like that. Whereas Silent Hill, I mean, Silent Hill 2 is one of my favorite video games of all time. Protagonist, the first weapon you start off with, he prides a freaking 2x4 off of a construction site with a nail in it. And then you're sitting there fighting in the fog, swinging at something because he's never used a weapon before and he doesn't know what he's doing. That's the difference between these people for me. It's either people who like the flashy eye candy, or it's people who actually appreciate the the soul-crushing despair feeling that comes from this thing on film, and you don't know why. It's just that well done. But they're the people who like boo scares, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, jump scares are... I mean, the jump scare that they have in this movie, they have a couple, but the one that they said is the one I, or the one that they have is the one I already talked about with the jazz hands. Oh, there's the second one. Um, there's the, there's the thing falling, the box I, falling over a, in the medical bay when they're looking yeah, for the Yeah, there's, there's more than one jump scare, but yeah. you know, like the one where she finds the cat and it goes, ah, well, there's, like, <laughs> there's a bunch of jump scares. Oh, uh, Jonesy. It definitely does more of a suspense buildup, which is my preferred type of uh, horror flick. If you can build that atmosphere and get me engaged in your movie, and uh, then you can throw in a jump scare every now and again, and I will jump at it because I'm already like on the edge of my seat. However, if you're just going for jump scares in a movie, you're not going to have my attention by that point. There's a heartbeat <laughs> in every scene. There is. You can hear. You can hear a heart beating. Oh, that's interesting. In the background, in almost every scene of this movie. The sound design and the music in this movie is so much a part of everything happening that, again, 
it is the weirdest movie for me to talk about because the sound design's a character, the music's a character, the Nostromo of the ship itself is <laughs> a freaking a character. character. Everything is a yep. character in this movie. <laughs> and they're all welcome. Yeah, to go off of what Dan said, is it's not always a heartbeat, but there is a sound that's repetitive almost in every single scene, be it the actor's breathing that's amplified because it's making you feel like you're hearing your own breath when you're terrified of something you're running from. It has the klaxons, which like when the countdown's happening and stuff like that, there's just computer beeping that goes incessantly through scenes that does that and the heartbeat, all of them. I noticed I just was like, yeah, they are really trying to ratchet up your anxiety with the the sound effects. And they did a damn good job of it. Yes, they did. True. (laughs) So now... Uh, I'm going to leave a nice cut spot here just in case. I know, Joe, you don't want us to talk about the current times because it's depressing and probably not relevant in a few years, but I think people remember it. Remember when 24 hours was enough time to actually quarantine someone and make you feel comfortable with them actually being uh, in public? (laughs) Oh my God, the lack of quarantine in this movie drives me insane! Even to the point where, oh, that thing that was on his face just fell off. Let's go all in by him and cheer him up by giving him hugs and saying we're glad you're better. Well, yeah, we're glad you're better. You're back alive. Why don't you come eat dinner with us instead of like... Ripley's the only sane person on the damn... Ugh, just, it drives me crazy. Now, to be fair, they're mostly minors, and their science is probably going to be geology, not necessarily medical. They're probably going to be one medical person that's going to be not necessarily scanning for this crazy amount of anomalies, but they did have scans and they probably could have scanned him for whatever is inside his body. Oh, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up because there is that scene. There is that scene. They put him in the scanner and scan his body and do exactly what you just said they could have done. They're standing there watching the x-ray of his body. But actually, I, I take that back because they did touch base on that again, actually. So you have that scene. They put him in the x-ray machine. They're looking at him. Dallas asks, what's that thing down his throat? They don't really make, they don't make anything else of that. They don't make any other comments of that. There is the scene later on, which shows shiesty ass Ash looking through his, uh, his, uh, microscope, the microscope. And he's looking at the microscope, uh, the photos, like Dan said, of what's going on inside of him. And you can very clearly see on the monitor that it's an embryo. When Ripley walks up, he mutters something and shuts off the uh, shuts off the monitors. So Ash knows what's going on. And he's all about bringing everything back and screw the crew. So yes. I, I guess yes. that does make sense. Yes. So they had the ability to look. They did look. But Dallas, trusting his science officer, not knowing that he was a sleeper agent from Will and Yutani. Even though he said... I don't trust anybody. Yeah, exactly. Even though he said he don't trust anybody, especially that guy they're talking about, he still just yeah. He still leaves it all in his hands. He's probably just like, oh god damn it, I've had enough shit today. I had to walk around on this planet with this crappy atmosphere and bring all his ass back with a thing stuck to his face. You deal with it. He probably just wanted to go drink a cup of coffee, sit back down, and think about cryo sleep. Yeah. So does this? Well, we haven't even talked about the reboot <laughs> section of this yet. What? What reboot? <laughs> I was almost going to skip that portion. So this, uh, you, normally we talk about this film or whatever is going to be rebooted or that's in talks of being rebooted. This one has already been rebooted over, what, a decade ago? Several times. I don't really consider the Aliens versus Predator to be a reboot. Oh, come no. on. No, that whole Those series. Are Those are separate. spinoff series based off the comics, whereas Prometheus was the first true prequel per se, because that actually goes back and answers all the questions about Alien that they didn't answer and didn't need to, but they did. 
but that also spun it off and basically made it its own thing, I guess. Fans were more disappointed that it wasn't more of an alien sequel. It had strands of alien DNA, as Ridley Scott said, but it wasn't actually alien. Whereas Alien Covenant was more alien, but everybody hated Covenant because it was just essentially soulless. <laughs> that movie... I, I can't remember the last time I threw a movie on excited to watch it and just let it drift into the background and play itself out. I don't ever do that. And that's what happened with that film. I honestly wish, because there were talks, in, in my opinion, it should have continued after two with the reboot plans that Fox was originally talking about how many ever years ago it was. Uh, what is it? Neil Blockamp? Is that the director who did District 9? Uh, yes. He had ideas to basically do what's actually becoming kind of a, a process right now that works. You look at Halloween, the sequels, most of them sucked. They said, screw all the sequels. We're making a direct sequel to Halloween. Everybody loved it. It was great. There's been several other movies that have done that. They've basically rewritten things and said, you know what? The sequels were trash. We're going to forget about them. We're going to pretend they didn't exist. This is a sequel to the film everyone loved. And it's working by doing that. Because so many different directors, so many different creative differences throughout the years really do taint film franchises as they move on especially through decades and neil blancamp said i i just want to forget that three and resurrection happened and have it continue after aliens because everybody loves aliens and he actually brought it back he was going to bring all the main cast back everything and his film just kind of it took off gigantically everybody was excited everybody was buzzing about it online and then it just slowly faded away. Fox was bought by Disney eventually after it was said that that was probably never going to happen. The big thing that happened was they said it got swept under the rug because Ridley Scott had interest in making more alien films. And until he was done with his alien films, Neil Blockamps wouldn't happen. So <laughs> because Ridley Scott all of a sudden was like, oh, I love Alien again. After, I think it was decades where he said he didn't want to do sci-fi because I, I believe his quote was something along the lines of there's nothing left to do or there's nothing left to say with the sci-fi medium. That hasn't already been said. All of a sudden he did Prometheus, got on this huge ass kick to do sci-fi again, and then wouldn't let it go. So we lost what could have potentially been an amazing jumpstart back on the franchise. And now we're just kind of sitting in this awkward phase because Disney owns it now. There's plans that they're bringing it back. There hasn't been anything concrete, but from the sounds of it, they're planning on doing another Star Wars and just pumping out alien movie after alien movie. But we'll see what happens, I guess. But I guess to Joe's point, Prometheus was really the first big reboot in a way. And then Alien Covenant, I don't know what the hell that was supposed to be. But So I think a reboot that does at least this film justice, it was already mentioned, Alien Isolation. Yes, different medium, but hands down the greatest thing to happen to aliens since Aliens. That is my standpoint and I will die on that hill. It is absolutely the best thing to happen to the series since Alien. I was 100%. I was legitimately, that year that that game came out was the same year that uh, The Evil Within came out. Everybody was losing their crap over Evil Within because, oh, it's made by the guy who made Resident Evil. And I, I love Resident Evil, like I said. But I was more obsessed with this game because it had everything I'd come to expect. So I put the blinders on, didn't get that game. I feel like I was the only one playing this damn game when it came out, but... For those who haven't played it, the AI for the alien, for the xenomorph, is so unbelievably, unpredictably scary. Along with the fact that you can couple on additional pieces of technology. I played it on PlayStation 4 when it first came out, which allows you to use the PlayStation camera to detect sound. I remember playing the game, hiding in a ventilation shaft for the better part of a half hour, making baby steps. That is a game that is calculated in feet. <laughs> 
you can move feet in a matter of a half hour or an hour <laughs> and still feel like you're making progress. Your progress is tracked by how far you've gone down a hallway. <laughs> sounds exhausting. It's exhausting, but it is the most tense game I have ever played. And I just remember sitting there playing this game, quiet as a mouse, keys jingling in the door of my apartment at the time, my wife coming and saying, hey, how's your dad? And me just saying, sure enough, you can hear the buckling of of the AC vents. Alien plops down in front of me and guts my character that I had moved approximately 15, 20 feet in the last half hour. (laughs) That game... Oh, lordy. That game is every single experience you'd ever come to expect out of actually being able to take on a xenomorph on your own by yourself and that's even before i get to the point that they had that exclusive dlc which lets you replay the nostromo with the nostromo cast oh that's crazy yes seeing everybody in full hd new voice lines voice acted just oh my god it was amazing that game is the best thing (laughs) it is a highly rated game this game had it all it had it had the xenomorph it had that feeling of dread and suspense because you can't kill the thing. You cannot. All you can do is hope to run away. It had all of the computers you come to expect. It had all the sounds, all of the constant humming, buzzing, heartbeats, the soundtrack, the, the additional lore because you play as Ripley's daughter and she's trying to find her mom. And this is just, everything about it is just so lush with details, so vibrant. You have the androids in there as well too, malfunctioning just like Ash, like, there's so much to this game. I, I urge anybody who is even a slight fan of Alien to check it out. Even if you, you can't do horror games, have somebody else play it for you. <laughs> just There's plenty of it on YouTube. That too. Go just watch it. It's it's insane how much they nailed with this thing. It is A lot of movie games get made by companies that you know have a small hand on it or you can tell that they care a little bit. But this is just gushing with so much love. You can tell that the team who made it really truly cared about what they were doing and they were fans of the film franchise and wanted to do it right. Does Alien, when we come back and watch it now, does it do all the things that it was designed to do when it first came out or the first time you saw it as a when you were younger? Do you feel the same about it? For those of you who watched it when you were younger. <laughs> Turning off a biased eye... This, for me, um, if you were to come up to me and say, Andrew, what is your idea of a perfect movie? You guys know how much I love Jurassic Park. You guys know how much I love Ghostbusters. I would, without hesitation, say Alien, to me, is the perfect film. I can't think of another movie that set my imagination on fire like this movie did. Maybe questioned things the way this one did. Changed my outcome in terms of my interests and the things I come to expect out of horror like this movie did. And coming back to it all these years later, even after not watching it since, what, 2011, 2012, I think I said. It still feels like the first time I watched the movie every time I watch it. And it still feels fresh, interesting, and sucks me in. So it feels like the first It does. Time. It does. So for me, it absolutely holds up, even in a sense of, had I not seen this movie, I would have still stumbled out of this thing just amazed. I only watched it 12 years ago, but this is (laughs) still an amazing movie this many years later. The death scenes for Brett and chestburster scenes are scenes that will forever give me nightmares. (laughs) I'm 31 years old. I'm glad that I did not watch this before going to bed. Oh, I know. Just imagine. Imagine every tube-like thing in your bedroom. Anything that looks slightly slick and wet. Just like, what is that? Is it going to pop out at me? Stop talking about my bedroom like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sorry to blow the top off the fact that your bedroom's laden with eggs and slippery things. So I'm assuming everyone thinks this film holds up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. It's just as fresh as it is now as it was when it released. It was a opinion. shock to me when I saw that it came out in 79. I'm like, there's no way that this movie is 40 years old. I know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and Blade Runner has the same vibe. You, you just... You don't know how it has aged so well and compared to everything around it. Well, that was us hugging each other's faces while trying to watch Alien. Rewound and rebooting. Yeah. If you could like, mm-hmm. comment, subscribe, and do all those things that you can do on YouTube or whatever podcasting program you're using... And share these episodes with your friends, your enemies, or your alien lovers. Who also like 80s and 90s movies, and in this case, 70s movies. It could help us get back on our feet again. Who's that alien? Well, that's not exactly... We are... We are on our feet. We are on our feet again. I am aspirational saying we are on our feet again, but you can help us run (laughs) so come back in two weeks when we rewind and reboot bill and ted's excellent adventure yeah 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 i'm excited i am too god now that's right that's wrong now i'm (laughs) i need to rewrite this (laughs) how many episodes well because i have to get back to the line that's sticking it's like come back in two weeks when we rewind and reboot again oh yes again yes I'll figure it out. I'll I'll recut it if I have to. And then, and then we can focus on rebooting reboot. Oh right, reboot. That was a thing.